forced to get off of home base we thought it was too dangerous. They said too many people are getting hurt. There were 10 people that were taken off site. A lot of people have been talking about these fires, but it was so much more than that. Podcast 99. Podcast 99. We are, uh... Back and we're continuing our coverage of day one of the Woodstock 99 Festival. I'm Ryan Lichten here with Josh Evans and Parks Miller. All right, so where we left you off, uh, Live had just played on the main stage. We're a few bands in now. Uh, we're about a quarter of the way through the day. Uh, you know, heat's rising, prices are rising, but the people are, are generally excited to be there still. Uh, nothing really that fucking crazy has happened uh you know what i mean nothing's completely broken down yet uh the festival for for all intents and purposes is running as planned um the the first day so yeah it's about halfway through we're, we're now looking at uh, about 5 30 uh for for the time the sun's still sitting high everyone's getting roasted uh the peace patrol they got their water hoses out in full effect also buckets sometimes they're just you'll see them in the footage just filling up buckets of water to douse people in the front rows of the crowd and uh everyone i mean when those hoses get broken out everyone scrambles for a taste it, it it's crazy it's almost like uh in mad max fury road when they like unleash the water and everyone crowds with their buckets and and shit it's just like that but in 1999 uh, and so a couple of interesting things though happen on day one that are going to play a, a bigger role as time goes on. Um, this is when we're introduced to the phenomenon of drum stock where hundreds of attendees began overturning trash cans and finding, you know, boxes, anything they could use as a drum. Uh, and drum stock is, is the first example of kind of like the mob mentality that we're going to see throughout the entire festival where, if a couple people are doing it, we can do it too. And yeah. then that becomes a few hundred, then it becomes thousands, then the whole place is in flames. Uh, that, that's kind of what's going to happen. And it starts with drum stock. Um, and, you know, and as the day went on, more and more people joined in this giant drum circle uh, using everything from bottles, pieces of wood, uh, mostly from the wall that was supposed to keep people out, uh, and their hands to just bang on these drums. And it's loud. I mean, most of the reports you read about Woodstock 99, they mention it. Uh, in, mm. in the in the official uh, Woodstock '99 VHS and DVD release, they like showcase them for a little bit because it's just bizarre. Yeah. Like, yeah, that was actually the the first set you know Tony B saw at Woodstock. Yeah, like, yeah, Tony B from to, our Survivor yeah. stories. Yeah, he 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 saw Drumstock. He can vouch for that. And right around this time too, I believe is what he he was saying that there was like a almost like a backyard wrestling type thing going on like where these people were wrestling on the con the, the right. tarmac or you right know, well well the thing to remember though uh going back again to our survivor stories episode is tony b was there on day two so when he saw Drumstock, that they're already a day in like we're talking yeah. day one here and people already in the middle of the afternoon are starting this drum circle that's gonna last the entire festival i mean i have no doubt in my mind that there was people at least 10 that started banging on a trash can and didn't stop until Sunday night when they had to leave. Like, you know, I mean, when you watch the footage of it, it's so tribal and it's yeah, just, it's like RPG it's bizarre. shit. It's like fable. Yeah. No, yeah, totally. It's just bizarre. It's like something. Yeah. You'd see in like a fantasy movie, just like these groms in the swamp banging on these drums. Uh, and then Which eventually, they're probably largely responsible for all the, the littering, you know? Yeah. Well, exactly. Assholes. I mean, that, that goes back to uh, our survivor story where, you know, there was no trash can to throw your shit away in. Cause everyone was using them as drums. Uh, but that's the first you see of that kind of weird 
stuff happening that's just going to grow as time goes on. Um, also, the first instance of looting happened uh, on day one. It's, it's unclear on whether or not it technically happened during the night of the pre-show. And then we just saw like the effect on day one. But what it was, was there is a truck full of boxes of Frisbees. Uh, I'm guessing to be sold because nothing was given out for free there. Mm -hmm. And people just start ripping these boxes open and throwing Frisbees into the air by the handful. And it's crazy. I mean, yeah. it looks like 300, like the movie 300 where totally. arrows block the sun, but it's all <laughs> Frisbees. Trippy. And and it's crazy. And that, yeah. and you'll see yeah. those for the entirety of the festival. Like everyone mm -hmm. just got thousands of free frisbees and are just fucking winging them. And there's footage of that in the official yeah, release. Yeah, if you get too. your hands on the DVD, you can see this. Right. And you can actually see them like with the boxes. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> man, we just started ripping them open and throwing them, man, and everyone started getting in on it. And like, I mean, dude, just imagine walking around a festival. It's fucking hot as shit. You're annoyed. And now you got to worry about getting pegged in the head by a fucking full speed frisbee. Bunch of them, you know, a bunch of them, and that doesn't stop, you know. And uh, it, it's interesting though that they included that footage in the official, like, marketed release of the, of the video because they try not to. They don't really show too much of the bad stuff at all. But it's interesting that they're like, oh no, well this is fun because they only stole frisbees. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like it that's was, it was excused. Trying to sugarcoat it. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, no, it's just, I mean, it's Frisbees. Come on. You know, and uh, so so that happens. And uh, again, it's it's way more intense than it sounds. Like when you see the footage of the Frisbees going. So all that shit's going on uh, on day one here. Um, but back to uh, back to business, if, if you will, the music. <laughs> so now time wise, uh, we're on the West stage now, the, the secondary stage. It's about 345 ish. Uh, four o'clock, and we have lit. You've been really excited about this one. Lit, lit is everything but. Uh, if you <laughs> if you can uh, catch oh. catch that little wordplay <laughs> yeah. there, um, but they were huge, and a lot of people know who who lit. You know, were my own and, worst and enemy. Are. Yeah, my own worst enemy. Miserable. Um, so they were formed in Fullerton, California, which is kind of just like a college town out here. It's, it's a you know couple hours away from los angeles it's you know more suburbs than anything else uh, and it was founded by uh brothers jay and jeremy popoff like the plastic bottle vodka no that's popov <laughs> yeah which you know yes is spelled differently but it's i mean they are the plastic bottle vodka of uh of bands <laughs> i would i would say yeah i'm gonna rip them apart Yikes. uh so later they were joined by uh kevin baldez and alan schellenberger uh, on drums, Kevin on bass. Uh, but they had other incarnations of their band, you know, lots of bands experiment with different things before landing on what works. Uh, they existed as a, a more like a metal band called Razzle, uh, which I'm guessing is like a tribute name to the drummer of, uh, uh, who was it? Hanoi Rocks that, that, that died, that Vince Neil killed. Is that the band he was in? Or was Maybe. It? Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Razzle. Uh, but then they changed their name to Stain. And uh, they had a little success with a, with an EP, but then they found out that that name was already owned, uh, not to be confused with stained. stained. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, uh, and not the stains, uh, just stain. And even, and that one was taken. Uh, mm. So you know, but going back to Parks's whole uh, concept of the one syllable band, they knew that they needed just that one yeah. <laughs> syllable. So they decided on uh, lit, and uh, so their first label release was. Uh, an album called Tripping the Light Fantastic. Uh, and it was on a, a, a record label called Malicious Vinyl. 
And uh, that label went out of business shortly after that release, probably because they're signing bands like Lit that are releasing albums called Tripping the Light Fantastic. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure, but I don't think that's the best way to make money as a label. Uh, so in 1998, you know, so one year before the festival, 98, they were signed to RCA, uh, which, you know, the, uh, their festival mates, Vertical Horizon, were also signed to them at the time. Uh, and they released A Place in the Sun. And that's the album that, yeah, you know, blew them up. That's the one that everyone knows some songs off of. You've heard it at least once, whether it's in a movie trailer, Movies, a titty yep. comedy titty from com- the nineties. Yep. Yeah, yep. Uh, and you know it has their their famous song "My Own Worst Enemy" and the song "Miserable," which was also a big hit, not as big as "My Own Worst Enemy." Yeah, uh, and that album pretty much makes up the bulk of their set. Yeah. Uh, Which is, you know, it's kind of weird. Because we were, you know, a lot of these bands, like we were talking about Oleander in the last episode about, you know, how they had just released an album. You know, Limp Bizkit had just released Significant Under like, a, a, you know, like a month before, maybe two months before. Um, it's kind of weird that a lot of these bands didn't really have a life yet. Like it was still very fresh and new. And they just stacked them all on this Woodstock bill. Yeah, but fresh and new in 1999, like as a big I don't band. Mean, is I like, don't mean fresh and new, like good. I mean, just like. Age wise, like, no, yeah, 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 no, that's what I mean. But, like, you know, nowadays it's like you got to tour for a long fucking time before yeah, you get to yeah. the point where you're gonna do a huge festival slot like that. Back then, like, people bought music, you know what I mean? Like, well, this you could festival, get really big, yeah, and this, but this <laughs> you know? festival really was like a uh, like that's why those bands are still on the radio and they're still around. If right. they didn't do that, maybe I don't, yeah, I, don't I mean, the whole that, thing was you know? like a big, uh, a big commercial, it's pretty interesting, but uh, so, so they have lit. Uh, come on, and they got a pretty good spot, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's on the west stage, not the main stage, but, I mean, you know, middle of the afternoon, you know, energy's starting to pick up. People are, you know, they got their drinks in them now. They're, they're, you know, the drugs are starting to kick in a little bit, and they're ready to party, and while Lit's hits might be, <laughs> Lit's, Lit's hits, hits. Uh, might be very, you know, commercial and, and poppy, they, you know, they still have some, like, rockin' songs, I would say. I mean... They don't rock hard, but but they're enough to get people in 1999 to jump up and down. Uh, but the whole thing is their aesthetic. Uh, that's one of the things that they were known for. They have like this definitely kind of car culture inspired borderline rockabilly look, uh, which is really confusing because they're just like a pop band uh, and their amps are all covered in cheetah print. Uh, each member of the band has their own little zebra print carpet that's like fixed yes. to the stage. Yeah. You know, and like they're they're wearing the creepers and and suits, and you know they got chains. Yeah. And the singer's got a Cadillac symbol belt buckle. And, that was and a shit. big style in the '90s too. You know, Brian Setzer he played and he he was rocking that uh, vibe. Right. Sure. I mean, it's it's oh, kind yeah. of it's kind of um post Wait, like they- swingers fascination. You know what I mean? Like that movie Swingers came out. Yeah. Was, it's like kind of like that style, but they went back to listening to rock because they're like, I don't want, I can't, I'm not gonna listen to swing. You know, and right. so they got a bunch of tattoos, but kept their uh, their bowling shirts and titty rings and titty yeah. rings. Yes, uh, and I'm gonna get to the the notorious titty ring uh, <laughs> uh, in a second. So the, their guitarist comes out and, uh, and and the bassist comes out. They're both wearing full suits. I mean, again, we're talking fucking 100 degrees outside, right? Uh, and but those baggy suits, the like really kind of baggy, oversized, suits, right, like a zoot I mean? suit almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they're trying to, you know, they they got their look. That's for fucking sure. You know, the drummer, he's kind of like a short dude. His drumsticks seem really long. He's wearing like a kind of like a a work shirt, you know, with the patch, like a very retro look, but shorts. I do feel like I would, out of all the members of the band, I'd probably want to hang out with the drummer. 
He seems like a cool guy. He's, I mean, dude, I'd want to hang out with uh, with the guitarist. I mean, when they were on Cribs, they seemed like <laughs> cool guys, which makes me feel so bad for all the shit I'm about to say uh, about yeah. them. But when the singer comes out, you know, because he lets the band build it up, and then he he runs out, and they start, you know, their song. You know, it's not a hit, but it, it's rocking. It's actually the the song they feature in the uh, DVD. Now, the singer has a very specific '90s look. Uh, that I, I want to get into really quick because it it really hits close to home. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this is good. Yeah. So growing up uh, in the suburbs, I had a neighbor that was referred to by my dad as Psycho Boy. And uh, Psycho Boy had like an old Mustang that he was always working on. He had slick back hair. You know, he's always either shirtless or like in an undershirt, you know, in the driveway. Always had like some girls stopping over you know, and hanging out in the front. But he lived at his parents' house. This is his parents' house that he's at, like, living this weird, lit life. And uh, and at night, he would he would zoom around in this Mustang. I mean, we're talking, like, midnight, one in the morning, just, like, ring, all up and down the streets, waking everybody up. And he would... Bad, at, badass. Badass. No, through and through, <laughs> totally. I mean, I, I thought Psycho Boy was, like, the shit. But, uh, you, you know, and he would drive like that in the daytime, so then all the parents had to complain, like, you're going to hit one of our kids. There was a lot of kids in the neighborhood and, and shit. The singer of Lit looks exactly like Psycho Boy. Like, that, like he is the Psycho Boy in the suburbs that's, like, dragging his fucking car that he works on all day and then, like, goes back to mom and dad's house. <laughs> like, yeah. at, at the end of the night, you know, uh, hopefully to, to get laid in the den or something. Uh, and, and he constantly, throughout the whole set, he brings a lot of attention to the naked people, uh, but not in the way that, uh, other people do like I mentioned Jamiroquai before who was like kind of just like oh there's breasts yeah you know yeah, what I mean yeah. and other mm -hmm. people are like hey like Baldwin like there's a lot of naked people like looking good this guy is is more like the dude that would be at a party with like a bunch of girls and be like wouldn't it be funny if we all went skinny dipping like dude that'd be funny right yeah. like we should do it we, we should get we should all get naked because he keeps looking at the crowd and he's like hey hey I don't mind you getting naked like I like naked girls Everyone, get naked. No, guys, you leave your clothes on. Yeah, just yeah, the girl. he does say that. Uh, like, yeah, just yeah. like some fucking major douche shit. And, you know, yeah. we, we keep making these jokes about, like, they look like the guy that would hit on your sister and stuff. I mean, yeah, the guy, the singer of Lit, uh, he's not going to ask for your sister's number, but he might ask what grade she's in. You know what <laughs> oh, I mean? Like, that's, that's kind of the look I get from him. So there's sets going on, yeah. but people are loving it. You know what I mean? And they do have a hit, yeah. so they play, like, My Own Worst Enemy. And, of course, he's holding the mic out, and everyone's, you know, stupid. Like, everyone's, they know the song, and, and they're loving it. Uh, and as their, their set goes on, they start, you know, stripping down a little bit. And when the singer finally gets his shirt off, you know, he's ripped. You know he's trying to be sexy. He's not ripped. He's not ripped, ah, but but he's, he's but but he's, he's looking all right. Yeah. <laughs> he's looking he's, all right. He's I'll doing say okay. that. Yeah. He, he. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe maybe I'm into him. Shit, dude. Do I love this? Okay. Oh no. Whoa. <laughs> but uh, so he's got one nipple pierced, dude, and the nipple piercing is fucking thick, and it's made this one yeah. nipple like a fucking baby bottle. Looks like nipple. a milk dud. Yeah. It's dude. It's a fat fucking leathery nipple with this fat heavy teat. like bowl ring. Teat. And you know that he just like likes to kind of tug on it and like give you a wink and a kiss, yeah. like kind of look. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's what I get. Oh God, get from that. Yeah. You know, it, it, no, it goes. It's it goes back like you, the other comment you're saying. It's like the kind of thing where it's like, dude, that 
I, I'm not really into gay stuff, but like if two chicks want to kiss and make out, like that would be great. Yeah, lesbians yeah. are okay. Like, that's, yeah. that's his vibe for sure. Okay. I mean, that's kind of like all their vibe. Again, like, yeah, the, none of the <laughs> other guys say anything the, the whole time. Yeah. You know, so you don't really get any of their personality. The bassist is kind of neutral, drummer's fairly neutral. Uh, he just yeah, kind of has like a very, like, um, he looks like, like his playing style is like what I would see when I was doing rehearsal or recitals. Like yeah. when I was a kid and doing drum recitals and it was like someone like one, two, three, four, like in their head, like while yeah. they're playing, you know, <laughs> he's focused. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like kind of, yeah. but I mean, dude, I fucking would be too. It's like their biggest show ever. Yeah. Their album just came out. Like totally. this is going to like propel them into being, you know, obscure now. Uh, <laughs> right. But, but Ryan, what about the guitar players, uh, facial hair? Oh yeah. No, he's, he's got, got like a system of a down thing going like yeah. with the long braided, uh, goatee and I mean that's like that was a signature of his yeah like, he, he still has yeah. it I want to say yeah. yeah no he he always rocks that yeah you know what else he did though he whipped out a vibrator yeah and played his guitar with it oh yeah yeah and, and you know sleaze factor up yeah it's, it's during their last They're song enforcing it he walks out with this silver vibrator and it's like you know no bells and whistles this is this is like your grandma's vibrator and, uh, <laughs> and, and, or, or in their case, your younger sisters. Yeah, and, and he, <laughs> wherever they stole it from. Yeah. And he walks out on stage holding it up like, you know what time it is? Like, it's time for a fucking vibrator solo. And he busts out a guitar solo tight. using it. Yeah, it's like a slide. And he's like cranking up the, the speed yeah, of it. It's like an more. Ebo. Yeah, and yeah. you know, like, I'll say that in, throughout the entire festival, this is really, maybe besides Spitfire, which again, we haven't seen footage of, so I don't know for sure. But this is like the closest you'll get to like avant-garde kind of like noise experimentation like yeah. at the entire <laughs> festival where someone's like doing something like kind of weird and artsy. But yeah. it's it's the guitarist of Lit rubbing a fucking vibrator on his guitar. Which he then it's then, yeah. you know. It's but then after that, though, because that's like the last song they do, and he um he not only successfully lights his guitar on fire, right. But he smashes it. Yes, and dude, I mean. Time after time at Woodstock 99, you see people try and smash their guitar, but they're only trying or, or set it on fire, but they're only doing that because it's a tribute. Like this isn't, that's not the kind of band they're in lit. These are rock and roll guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even and he though, smashed it like a champ. Dude, he smashed it like a champ. It lit on fire. He wrote a vibrator on bitch it. Ass. And the singer, the whole time he's got a bottle of Jaeger, like a little bottle yeah, of Jaeger yeah. on stage. That oh, he's yeah. like, so like they had like a kind of a, you know, I don't want to say cool vibe, but it was definitely like '90s, like <laughs> like rock vibe. You know what I mean? That that was that was different they got a than like vibe. you know they they were real rockers compared to some of the other uh, acts that played. But then you know, of course, we would think that they faded into obscurity and stuff. But no, they're still around, and and you know their their hits are huge. You'll still hear them all the time. Uh, they toured, you know, back in the day with Kid Rock and and No Doubt and bands like that. Uh, and the last tour that they were going to do was opening for Kiss. And uh, this is with the OG lineup. And uh, what happened was their drummer, Alan Schellenberger, discovered that he had a brain tumor. Mm. And so they, they canceled the tour. Uh, he did a, a little bit of a news run, kind of just like, you know, my, my journey kind of a thing. And uh, they did a big benefit show where, you know, like a bunch of their friends played. And uh, they had a big blowout. And in uh, 2009, he died. So rest in peace to rest him, peace. you know, yeah, uh, say, say what you will. That is sad to lose, you know, an OG member he, of your band. Uh, yeah, I feel like, like he, no doubt. I feel like he was probably cool. Like he, he was probably the only guy in the band that mowed their lawn. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, himself. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he seemed very level-headed. Yeah. I'm telling you, one, two, three, four. Yeah. That's him, man. Well, yeah. So rest in peace, Alan. Uh, you made some great music. Yeah. You know, and you played yeah. a legendary show. That's more than a lot of people can say. Totally. Uh, yeah. So now that I, you know, got through you kinda that. You kind of digressed a little bit. You, you, you sort of, I, I, you're, I, you're showing some love now. I because yeah. I don't hate lit. Like I hate the way that, I, I hate the way that they fucking look. Yeah. Like don't get me wrong. I mean, dude. Like well, they're, I a country, go, they're a country band now. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're country. They're country. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. But God, um, damn it. Yeah. I think you have a soft spot for them. I mean, I think that's the interesting thing about this festival is even in the midst of all this like terrible shit culture, you can still find you know a little something you can relate to. Like true yeah. '90s nostalgia uh, does exist there. It's not like it's not all Altamont like death of a generation shit. I mean, that definitely happens and it, and it occurs, but there are so many, yeah, like sets where you're just like, oh man, like I used to love this song or like, totally, oh fuck, yeah. like, like dude, like yeah. that would have been like so tight to fucking see and shit. I feel like I'm a little more nicer, like I'm nicer towards people's music taste now because of this whole experience. Like when people play some shit at work that I'm not into, I'm like, oh fuck it, I don't care. Yeah, whatever. You yeah. know, I can, I can li- I'll live. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Find something in it. You yeah. Know? Through yeah, hopefully through listening to podcast ninety nine, you will become more open minded to shitty music. Absolutely. Or or your friends will just endlessly make fun of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh so now on on the West stage, uh again, you know, we're we're not gonna because we got a big one coming on the coming on the East stage in a in a second. We got Buck Cherry. Uh so now we're looking at Ooh, around yeah. like four fifty, five o'clock ish. Uh, on the West stage. Uh Buck Cherry. Uh fuck, yeah. man. I don't even know where to Parks, what's Buck? up? Buck Cherry. Okay, so we're 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 four or five o'clock uh, in the afternoon. We've been cooking all day. Uh, Buck Cherry. Uh, for those of you that don't know, this this band really has taken a big footnote in rock and roll history. I think most people would be able to uh, point to their biggest hit, "Crazy Bitch." Uh, (laughs) If you don't know Crazy Bitch, I mean, that is a true like guilty pleasure of like sleazy rock and roll songs. Dude, yeah, like when I was in I high mean, school, dudes would like ride around in their jacked up ass trucks, just blasting that song. Yeah, and their girlfriends loved it. <laughs> there's memory. There's memories to Crazy Bitch, um, and that was their peak. Though they, uh, you know, they were a working band, and they had not written that song, and it, that song was not a hit, and so it's it doesn't appear on the set list, which. Again, I'd like to think that they did write that song then, but they've just were working on it for that long. Like, yeah. gotta, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, oh, we're not ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> the swan song, oh, like, no, God. man. Like, <laughs> they're just like, oh, wow. They can't, no. Yeah, they didn't want to blow their load too soon. I mean, this is a yeah. th- this is a perfect um, example, though, of one of those bands that played Woodstock 99 and were not meant to play in front of crowds that big, not because like they weren't good enough or anything, but because, I mean, they're a club band. Yeah. Like, to this is like that yeah. sunset strip out, like, shit. Yeah. It's to- yeah. dude, they still play. Yeah. I mean, like you'll be able to yeah. catch them at the whiskey like once a year when they need to make like, I don't know how much can, I, I mean, like a couple five, hundred grand. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> it's, it, but when, but when you're in a small, when you're in a small, even a medium sized club and, uh, and, and the, when there's this party atmosphere and everybody's drinking and you're drinking, uh, you know, the, literally the volume of music can make up for mistakes. You can just turn up that guitar and you can't hear the mistakes. Um, but with Buck Cherry being like super professionally recorded in this um, pay-per-view atmosphere, uh, I mean, the moment they come out on stage, I mean, it is just this like, <laughs> it's, it's it is show. a tempest of just like terrible bass notes, just like these farty bass sounds and this uh, wah wah guitar, just like screaming, which also should mention that like the '90s really they 
they killed the Wawa. Um, that that is why, like now, you don't see a lot of bands using a Wawa pedal because in the '90s they just drove it to death. Um, and Buck Cherry t- just slamming on that thing for the first like five minutes of their set, which yeah. is you know their their well, interpretation I feel like that's of like, that, like that's that like big, that's trashy sleazy sort of like um stooges influence too right you know what so, I'm yeah so like, yeah so buck cherry word is an interesting bit. uh so there's so many like 90s trends that were happening and i like to track them because because buck cherry was not new metal and they definitely weren't folk rock no. and they weren't jam band uh they definitely uh fall into this lineage that started with the air uh with uh rolling stones and then kind of gets trashier as it goes along because then from Rolling Stones, you have uh, Aerosmith. And then from Aerosmith, you have Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And you could argue maybe that from Guns N' Roses, you have Buck Cherry. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. absolutely. Well, what happened? And, and then from then there, you could maybe argue that you have Hinder, but we don't have to yeah. talk about Hinder right now. <laughs> but what I mean is that it's very apparent that um, uh, Josh Todd, the singer of Buck Cherry, uh, was incredibly influenced by Guns N' Roses. I so thought you were going to say ha- drugs. Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> even you know what else though? Maybe even like the uh, the black crow or the uh, the black crows. Black black crows is in there because they were the early '90s and they they were doing the rock and roll revival thing. Yeah, and but but what I find so interesting about Buck Cherry is because they are like doing this like very much like this roots rock revival, but then taking kind of like that new metal like insanely aggressive masculine energy. So everything has to be like super fucking distorted guitars and just like yeah. incredibly obscene and vulgar. And um, I mean, you should ever, if you're listening, you should look up like a picture of Josh Todd. Uh, he, he's honestly, he's kind of terrifying. No, he, um, okay, he, dude, I, he looks like a tweaker. Fucking drugs. We, we, we talked about this uh, a little earlier. Like when I first watched that set and I had known about Buck Cherry, like from just growing up, you know, with MTV and stuff that a video would come on or whatever, but I never really paid attention when he comes out, and this is like the peak of their fucking career, dude. You would think that this guy hadn't been on stage in like 10 years. Like, Buck <laughs> Cherry started their career in the behind the music phase. Like, yes. that, that, like that's strictly like, dude, they had already <laughs> done all the shit that would still end up ruining their career, but they had already like been doing that. Like, they had yeah, gone to a career yeah. ending like addiction phase and then started a band. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that's what I get it's, from them. And he's wearing. Yeah, I was going to say, mean, where dude, do you think that they, where do they fall in the best and wor- or worst dress? Dude, he's definitely up for, for, I mean, the entire band. Okay. The guitarist, he, he might be in the running for like most rock and roll. Definitely not best, but not worst. Their singer, definitely up for worst. I mean, he's wearing a fucking, like, he's a, got like a woman's like, headband like, thing on, right? He's got a headband on. He's wearing like shorts with tights underneath them, like in a well, really weird uh, kind of yeah. Justin Bieber, like Equinox training, like fucking gym outfit thing. But then and, like a thrift store, like, vague animal print jacket yeah it dude, with it, like vans he has vans on <laughs> and when he comes out he starts just like yelling like he comes in hot and i have a note here again He's doing you know, a hoedown we, you know we, we like to have a good time and party a little bit here at uh at culture dumps and uh podcast right. 99 so you know we drink a little bit when we watch these sets and uh sometimes i don't always remember what i was talking about <laughs> when i when i look over my notes and i'm seeing this note here that just says singer literally sounds dumb as fuck <laughs> okay well let me get into that let me get into that okay so so here's another 90s thing and again it doesn't mean it's exclusively to the 90s but i do and of course uh you know profanity has been around forever but i do think that there was this sort of in the 90s this pronounced like concept of like if you if you just cuss if you just say curse words a lot 
it like makes your message more powerful. And so in between every song, uh, Josh Todd is just like, fuck. He's like, fuck. This is, <laughs> did you see those fucking titties? He's like, are you guys fucking ready to fucking rock? And that is to me is such a 90s thing where like you're just trying to say fuck to like bring it up. Yeah, well, um, the middle finger was like the, the horn. It died. Yeah. It's yeah. like the middle finger, like the middle finger. Of course, people still use it. But like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I need to who I need to call at Harvard or MIT. But I really there was more middle. There's more birds shot in the 90s than there were. <laughs> you know For sure. I mean? And mooning too. mooning was a thing still. No yeah, mooning. Yeah, I mean, and just just <laughs> getting on your boyfriend's uh, shoulders and showing your tits. I mean, like, yeah, that that is all these more. things to it. Oh, so, well, dude. Uh, oh, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. He, so one of the lyrics is uh, about porno mags, and, <laughs> and, and this is one of those things that like this is a generational thing because like a porno mag. Everyone, I mean, you know what that is, but like we have smartphones now. Like people, like the 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 actual like cultural significance. Phone. Of a porno porn mag, machine. it's completely done. <laughs> yeah. And again, and he, but he's trying, but he is trying to be like this 90s, like he is trying to be as significant as he can with his incredibly like sleazy behavior. Um, right. Like internet porn wasn't really like a thing, yeah. you know, yet. Right. You know, it's funny. It's like, think about now, like if you go to some dude's house and he's got like a stack of porns, you're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's a pervert. Yeah, what like, a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, yeah. so the porno mag song, like, uh, also, though, I mean, Buck Cherry, they're part of that, like, Mags. but, like, th when grunge was starting to kind of fade out, like, yeah. guys were like, oh, wait, we could bring, like, the 80s back, dude, like, this is our time. So, like, you got bands like Buck Cherry and she, like, trying to do that Sunset Strip fucking thing. So, yeah, they're going to write about porno mags, even though I'm sure, like, in 99, porno mags were going out already, you know what I mean? Kind of. I'd like to thank shit. Yeah, I'm sure there was, like, a, um, you know, there was... The uh, the innovators of, of masturbation who were already switching on to the internet, <laughs> but um, but wait. So since we're talking about how you know, your notes, how dumb he is, let's. I I have a couple clips uh, from his set because he does say some pretty incredible things. Um, so this one is pretty uh, nine minutes into the set. Um, it's leading up to the song called Baby. Uh, <laughs> In which he just says, baby, 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 uh, over and over again. Um, so let's let's just hear this clip really quick. Yeah, he's but like, <laughs> listen to that voice and just imagine what you just what do you imagine that person looks like who says that? And that is exactly what he looks like. Oh, he is like yeah. a, he is like a methed out. Um, he's terrifying. Oh, before <laughs> I before I get ahead of myself, uh, he has a tattoo on his belly. You know how like Tupac had the thug life tattoo is very iconic on his yeah, belly. Yeah, yeah. Tupac's just this like ripped guy. Um well, Josh Todd has a, uh, he, uh, he, he's not like, he's not fat by any means, he's not overweight. I mean, but you can tell that he's keeping the pounds off due to the excessive amounts yeah. of uh, yeah. <laughs> uppers that he's doing. His yeah, his body is definitely like this kind of terrifying 
um, amalgamation of just trying to keep itself <laughs> together. And he has on his belly the word chaos. With the you. anarchy logo as the A. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah. And that, again, just speaks to me in some sort of just really weird way. Also on the back, on you his You got to give it up, he though. Has, he is a lifer. He's a lifer for sure. <laughs> uh, and, and on his back, it's like a huge, like, uh, I don't know, king of hearts or one of the king, one of the card, like playing yeah. cards. Yeah, yeah. King. But it, I mean, it looks like maybe like a 15 year old designed it. Um, Again, it's, it's Grand Theft Auto tattoos. Stuff. It's like select yes, back tattoo. Yeah, that's so true. Um, okay, so we've been doing a lot. Okay, we've been doing a lot of Buck Cherry stuff. I know, and there's, I think maybe. Well, there's so much to fucking talk. Yeah. I mean, dude, we didn't there's even get so- into the fucking guitarist hair, which was bangs are like that, like you know, kind of yeah. like like uh, you know, party girl red, like juxtaposed with the black, like that you see a lot of hairdressing gr- or girls in like hairdressing school have. You know, that yeah. like weird red and black combo. He's got that going on with like emo glasses. He was like 2005 emo aesthetic before that shit even happened. Like we have Buck Cherry yes. <laughs> to thank, I guess, for that look that I uh, sported in 2005. Right. But, uh, yeah. but I mean, there's songs yeah. too are played like shit. I mean, there's, there's no like redeeming quality to it. I mean, it's really entertaining to watch. It's not as painful as some of the other ones we've talked about, but they are bad. Yeah. They are bad. They are bad. And they need Crazy Bitch to even make this thing work. And they haven't written it yet. No, no, they have. They're, they're working on it. Um, working they love it. cocaine. Uh, it, it, okay, if we can just like indulge you with one more clip, we should do it. Before, at the time, their biggest hit was called Lit Up. Again, lit, you know. Maybe we're talking about some real like progressive stuff here before. Because lit <laughs> is a very popular word now. Um, but no, Lit Up was, was at their time the biggest hit. And we have this one good clip that we should play of again Josh Todd just speaking poetry to the masses. Oh yeah. Yeah. This thing started out being a weekend thing. You know, couple lines on Friday night. Wasn't gonna hurt anybody. Then I made it to Sunday. Sunday turned to Monday. Monday turned to eight ball, my dogs, and a fifth motherfucker. Lit up like a fucking light bulb. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dude. so again, what the fuck? I mean, Dude, it's it, just promoting that trash lifestyle. It all which, turns to eight ball, man. There's something, <laughs> yeah, there's no something to that. <laughs> Monday turns to eight ball. He literally made up his own day of the week. Uh, called eight ball. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love but, yeah. eight ball days a week from the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> uh, dude. Um, so you know, and, and we yeah. yeah, we should get off of Buck Cherry real quick because otherwise we'll just start another podcast about it. Uh, yes. With oh fuck, man, can you imagine? But anyways, last thing I want I want to say about them is that they have a song uh, that's just you know called Cocaine or it's just about cocaine where. That's virtually the only lyric, uh, except for a co- couple other choice lines. Like, uh, she loves it when I eat her ass because I got an ounce of cocaine. <laughs> and uh, what's the what's the second part of that one? All right. The second line is a lot worse. The bitch <laughs> loves it when I fuck her mom because I got an ounce of cocaine. Jeez. So there you have it. Uh, <laughs> there you have it. That, uh, that, um, so we're, I mean, we're going to... M- 
totally shift gears now. Uh, <laughs> yes. This is yes. like a major, major detour, major wild card in the midst of Lit and Buck Cherry. We're going back over to the main, or the, the yeah, the main stage, the East stage, uh, as it was known. This is now, you know, this is like 5.15, 5.30-ish, and the lovely Cheryl Crow is about to take the stage, the candidate for the heart and soul of Woodstock. Yeah, yeah. That's how she was introduced. Um, yeah, she's from Kennett, Missouri. She also played Woodstock in 1994. Um, I learned some things about her that I didn't know before. Like, uh, like she was like a total badass in high school. She was a track star, member of the Pep Club, That's not the, the National <laughs> Honor Society, the National FFA organization, and was crowned a paper doll queen in a celebrity judge beauty contest. Which oh. this, this this almost makes her sound like the chick that Earl beats up in that Dixie Chick song. Oh. <laughs> Just small town paper yeah, doll queen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but she, yeah, she went on to the University of Missouri, and uh, she was in like I think three sororities, like, and she was like a leader of one of them, and through that she got an so honorary she's doctorate. Just destined to yeah. be successful in anything that she does. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. An is, ambitious you know, young woman. Yeah, yes, and that's queen. the thing is, you know, when you see her set and you and you see her interviews and stuff like that, you know, it's it's kind of easy to sort of write her off as this smug chick or whatever yeah we talked a little shit at first yeah yeah you yeah but yeah. you know it, when a guy does that it's like cool or it's like you know he doesn't give a fuck or whatever right. um so can't really say i don't blame her you know especially you know throughout the whole her whole set you know people are just like show us your tits show right. us your tits yeah i you mean know? besides the emerging artist yeah. stage this is the first uh female fronted act uh of, yeah. of the entire festival and i mean she's and there's huge. not many yeah. no there's not yeah, many yeah yeah and well, speaking of you know, you know all the all the tit talk. I actually have a I have a I have a clip myself. It's a uh, it's about five minutes into uh, her second song, which is uh, my favorite mistake, personal favorite, um, where she uh, kind of addresses that. So yeah, let's take a listen. How you doing out there? This is sort of a take your top off kind of day. Is that what it is? Psych. <laughs> psych dude psych like that that's fucking 90s show we were talking about that's the bird dude, psych, psych out like dude no and no oh one's been God. psyched out in like 20 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah i haven't been psyched out in yeah 20 years for sure but but she's yeah out. i mean that song that song that they go into is great she straps the bass on she's playing the bass she's singing she's it's great yeah I, she's i, I mean I she plays guitar it. she's she at one pro point band. She, she sings just with the mic she, she plays is yeah bass. she's totally a pro yeah because you know before before she even released her first like you know real like debut album she was um she did like jingle work in like the late 80s and early 90s and she was actually uh she's she has has been quoted as saying that she uh made forty thousand dollars for doing a song for mcdonald's Damn, which wow. you know, I feel like yeah. that's a lot of money then, especially for someone that's just like kicking off their Genius. musical. You know, well, she studied music and things like that through school, but you know, her career was, in music was probably like in her mid twenties. I feel like she probably really started diving into that. Right? Well, wasn't um, she a ba uh, background vocalist for uh, Michael Jackson? Yes, she was actually. A lot yeah. of people, a lot of people, and that's the thing about Sheryl Crow's her her career is pretty insane. And you know, doing this research on her, it was kind of. I, I wanted to stick to just like you know up until ninety nine. So um, yeah, uh, she really broke through with uh, her nineteen ninety four smash hit, "All I Want to Do," which I actually uh, I actually didn't know that that was 
from her first album. I thought that was like yeah. a mid-period song. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Which Catchy does that number. does that mean that you know she was ahead of her time? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Could <laughs> be. Song is innovative, you know, and that yeah. was from her debut album, Tuesday Night Music Club, which is like a collective of musicians that she had, you know, met and formed, and and that was the name of their like group. I'm pretty sure. So right. But in '96, she released her second self-titled album, which features hits like uh, "If It Makes You Happy," "A Change Would Do You Good," "Home," and uh, "Every Day Is a Winding Road," which you know, a lot of people know that song. We all know that song. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, three times but, platinum. Yeah, there's some controversy behind this album too, though. Uh, it was actually pulled by Walmart because in the song "Love Is a Good Thing," she says Walmart sells guns to children. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They're like, yeah. "Fuck you." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we didn't listen to the album beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, "All we're right, what let, are we gonna we keep? Guns or Cheryl Crow CDs?" <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an easy choice. <laughs> They so took the guns so, that they sell the children up. and they used them to shoot all the CDs. Yeah, uh, every, yeah. every once in a while, Cheryl tells it like it is. Yeah. 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 No, she's a badass. Yeah. Well, you know, we go back to like, uh, you know, we, we kind of try to reference, you know, the now and then and things like that. And, and if you, you know, you're paying attention, you see, a, you know, a lot of this vernacular with things like, you know, straight white men and stuff like that. Male aggression. Male like, aggression. Yeah. All this yeah. stuff. And there's things actually, that have always been around, but now it's like, yeah, you see those words all yeah, over. Yeah. Yeah. But there's actually, I have another clip that's from an interview with, with MTV, I believe, um, where she sort of makes a, a comment on, you know, the festival and like how it was, you know, attended by angry white dudes. So, yeah, let's take a listen to that. Do you think that aggro vibe had uh, anything to do with what yeah, happened? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that that's what drew the large male, white male, Abercrombie Fitch population of young, white, male, frustrated, upper middle class, I've been given everything and still I'm mad, but I'm not really sure why I'm mad, kind of attitude. Yeah, so again, calling it like she sees it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, she's I mean, not trying to- Wrong, yeah. yeah. Totally. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we should definitely stress, I mean, I mean, that is what most of the bands are, and there is an insane amount of aggression in the music of most of these acts. In the crowd, I mean, that's- you know. uh, So, you know, every, there's these slight, there's these little moments of like sort of a uh, elevated sense of awareness. I mean, I won't go so far as to say that, you know, Woodstock was some sort of triumph of the human condition, but every, <laughs> every once in a while, someone kind of was like, yeah, what the fuck is going on here? And yeah. right. you know, Shale yeah. Crow gets props for that. And it's like, you know, what I mentioned like way earlier, I think I mentioned it before, like how the the audience there could really they're like, just like Menendez brothers like they're just like the kids that had the ticket money yeah. and they had the yeah. attitude and like you know they didn't even really like like you know a, a lot of those music per se but there's like fuck it like you yeah know, and there's really no telling what she was hearing from that stage right you know, I mean crow, well we we've seen know. this like in quieter sets like Jewel for instance whose set is very like so like Cheryl Crow has like a big rock set so does Alanis so like you really can't hear the crowd too much but during Jewel and I can only assume that this should happen during Cheryl Crow's set and Alanis Morissette's set is that everyone's like take your top off show me your tits like and that just doesn't stop anytime they're yeah, not playing a song some douchebag is fucking yelling at this queen you know <laughs> to fucking yeah. like yeah yeah yeah, it's 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 completely ridiculous, and she knew that. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, That's why she yeah. made her like psych out. You know her great the great psych out of Woodstock ninety nine, the caper, uh, if you will. But also, you know, and Cheryl Crow would probably look down on me for for saying this or for considering this because she's not that kind of artist and not that kind of person. But she is most definitely up for best dressed. Yeah, she, she has, looks you badass. Know, she would not want to be yes. judged on her clothing. I'm sure. 
but but she had a sick ass it. outfit on. Yeah, cool. these like laced leather pants. Mm-hmm. You know, just like like just like a strong like I write and fucking sing songs and totally. I fucking do it good. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. So and she's like. She's like a, a popular woman doing the, the short hair and just I mean she's right. got she's a got lot of, a lot of earrings going on. Oh she's yeah. Hot. yeah, yeah, like a pirate. She's hot. <laughs> yeah. See, up up well, until this that, point, up until this point, um, you know, it, she's promoting a, her album from '98. It's called uh, "The Globe Sessions," which, like I said before, it features my favorite mistake. Um, again, personal favorite, good song. I could see Roland Howard covering that one if he was still around. Rest in peace, Roland Howard. <laughs> um, <laughs> And some people actually speculated that 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 song was actually written about her fling with Eric Clapton, which she has uh, not um, commented on. So, huh? So yeah, mm-hmm. a little juicy. A little, yeah, yeah. A little, but on that same album was um, her cover of Guns N' Roses' "Sweet Child of Mine," which was featured in the film Big life. Daddy. Oh, <laughs> um, great film. Who could forget? So, yeah. <laughs> she um, oh man. Well, but I mean, you know, she did have the spirit. I, I would say, like you know, it was it was. If I was in that crowd seeing that that show, I probably would have had a, had a good time. And uh, actually, yes. I actually have a quote. This is this is this is pretty good. Um, I was digging around and I found this. Um, Nineteen-year-old Michelle Fry had this to say about uh, Shell Crosset. She says she put everything into it. She's one of the only acts that fits in with the Woodstock spirit. Not like DMX or Ice Cube. <laughs> ah. I want I. I, I Dude, wow. I fucking know exactly what that chick looks like in my head. Yeah. Like, she yeah, got Michelle, her Starbucks. You fucking racist prick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the that's the thing is like, so we're gonna be very like, so there are there Cheryl Crow, Jewel, and Alanis Morissette get a special distinction of being uh these like strong, powerful, like outspoken women in a sea of just mainly like whiny, fucking aggressive uh dude music. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but let's not like we can't blow it up too much because uh in terms of like having you know other representations i mean i think possibly erica badu uh guesting for the roots oh, right. yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, that, that might be up. like yeah. that that one song that she performs might be the only like black female lead singer in the whole festival other than whatever the fuck wyclef john does that we can't <laughs> talk about because wyclef john is the most amazing not yet uh, we can't talk about that yeah. <laughs> because any, anything he touches is total disaster. So perhaps like a four minute Erica Badu performance is the only of its kind. Uh, yeah, so no, we're, definitely. We're, it's a needle in a haystack. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we're grasping for straws, but, you know, Cheryl represents and we, and you know, we're a bunch of dudes. So, you know, we want we want to represent when we can because we're going to mm-hmm. talk about corn and ICP. Here, you know, in a few episodes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But it's, yeah, no, it, it's it's super <laughs> she, important. She kills to consider, it. She kills it to to consider. You know, yeah. Again, Cheryl Crow, uh, Alanis Morissette, and Jewel, because those are you know they have top billing. Like they're they're one the featured acts. Yep. You know what I right. mean? And uh, and they each played on it. Like they only had one per day. Like Cheryl's day one, Alanis day two, and yeah. I believe Jewel's day three. True. And it's just like like you could only have one really. Yeah. Like, like there's right. there's no one else you could fucking ask. It's like really like weird. you know like. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. Maybe like the prerequisite was like you have to be able to play guitar or something. Yeah. Like you no, know. What I mean, I, mean I, I think that. Go- I mean that just goes into like all this like dude heavy rock is what is selling, and and we are Woodstock and we're trying to finally make a buck. Well, that's why they all and, got and, together and, and, and started the fucking Lilith Fair. You know what yeah, I mean? With, which yeah, I, yeah, there yeah. was more Lilith Fairs than Woodstocks. You and, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Every branch off festival. 
you know what I mean, has has uh, had more uh, runnings. Yeah. You know what I mean, has had a longer yeah. run. Well, I'll say one more thing about Shell Crew, and then we'll move on. Um, while I was doing my research, I was really hoping that uh, the song Picture by Her and Kid Rock uh, started at Woodstock, but they did not actually meet at Woodstock. Oh, it was at a VMA award ceremony. Was it before Woodstock or after? Like, did they know each other? Uh, I believe it was after because that song came out, you know, a couple years later. Yeah. Right. Oh, Which is a interesting. Great song. Great song. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah it and is. it is interesting because Kid Rock, and we'll get into him for sure, but he definitely was representing a lot of uh, these, <laughs> yeah. these white male things. So it is interesting that, you know, she went on down the line and the antithesis. made a huge Yeah, hit song definitely. With him. And dated him, I think. Well, who can resist the kid, man? Uh, He's got uh, one for you. Uh, the early morning stone I cannot, pimp. I cannot fucking <laughs> wait for that episode. Uh, we, we might have to do a segment where, like, which which dude of Woodstock would we all bang? Which, oh, which man. dude would we bang? Which I don't dude think would kid, we bang? <laughs> it's, not, it's not kid for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think I could take that long one. Yeah, no. I might need someone with a little Ooh. short, stumpy penis, like, a, like Josie. the guy from Lit. <laughs> no, Josie's got a... Yeah, ten, yeah, three foot nine. Foot, ten, ten foot. foot yeah, yeah. Again, again, we will, we, we will we will get <laughs> yeah we will get to the kid. Uh, that that's your little uh, yeah. teaser right mm-hmm. there. So yeah, Cheryl Crow. I mean, her set ends around six thirty or so. So now it, it it's definitely starting to cool off a little bit. But it's you know it's the middle of summer, so it's not going to get dark for for at least you know a, another hour or so, not another two hours. Um, and and it's fucking you know it's still hot, but now the 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 full capacity crowd for, for day one is definitely there. You know what I mean? You're going to have little bits of people trailing in, of course, at, at all hours. But by the time Cheryl Crow's done, you can tell by the footage, like when you, when you watch James Brown footage uh, from the pay-per-view feed, it shows like a pan of the crowd and it's, you know, it's filling in, but it's not packed by the time it shows Cheryl Crow. Every stitch of the landscape is covered with people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they're surrounding the towers. I mean, it's, it's massive and and it's kind of a uh, ominous in like a positive way. It's like, you know, you could tell that people were looking around like when they're in the middle of the crowd, like, Oh man, this is so amazing. Like, look how many people are here. And yeah. then like by the end of the night, it's like, Holy shit. Look how many people are here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it, it does take a turn. Uh, so now's uh, th- this is the emerging artist stage roundup segment uh, where we're going to just burn through really quick all of the acts that were going on in the hangar while, you know, Lit, Buck, Cherry, Cheryl Crow were all happening uh, during that that little time period there. Uh, so up first, we have uh, Bijou Phillips. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's more of a well-known actress uh, who, in, in 1999, she released some music that's, you know, that very 90s kind of chick rock stuff that was happening, very like Lilith Fair stuff, like Letters to Cleo, like Meredith Brooks, so, like yeah. almost Dido-ish. Uh, Didn't Jennifer Love Hewitt make an album too? Uh, yeah, but that that came out. Yeah, but naked. Yeah, that that came. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that came later though. Uh, and and you know she was in films like Almost Famous, Hostel Two, Bully, Wizard of Gore, and uh, this is uh, you know a fan favorite of mine. She did some voice acting in the game Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Yeah. So uh, she, I mean, she was more well known for for acting and stuff. This was kind of her her breakout you know, a- album, uh, if you will. Uh, then after that, we have Mike uh, Erico, I want to say is how we pronounce it. And he's a singer-songwriter based out of New York. Uh, he played with a lot of people that played at Woodstock 99, uh, people like Guster, Rusted Root, and Johnny Lang, who was another emerging artist, uh, stage person. But, uh, you know, and he, he was always like the opening act or, or what have you. Uh, Woodstock 99 was his first just like, solo appearance like he was always you know like a side musician playing with these guys or you know like a tour hand or, or what have you 
Uh, but the most notable thing he did is he wrote the theme song for VH1's pop-up video. <laughs> so that was Ooh. his uh, his contribution there. Uh, and then uh, up next, we got uh, Ben Lee. Now, Ben Lee is one of the few artists from the emerging artist stage at Woodstock 99 to actually emerge. Uh, his introduction to the music world came by way of his first band, Noise Addict. Uh, they were like kind of like a garage rock type of band. There's like lots of angst, you know, going on in it. It's very like teenage bedroom stuff. And they got signed to a little label uh, that got their demo into the hands of Thurston Moore of Sonic Youth and the Beastie Boys, who both put out little noise addict releases in the U.S. Uh, but at age 16, he broke off from the band to start a solo career, and that led him all the way to the emerging artist stage at Woodstock 99. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean? So, so he's doing it. I mean, he must be fucking young at that point. You know what I mean? So even though it's the emerging artist stage, it's not on pay-per-view, it's not like, you know, top billing shit. That's still huge for like a young, a young kid. You know what I mean? Because again, the idea was playing in the emerging art. Like you're pretty much guaranteed to be huge in a year after that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it didn't really happen for a lot of, uh, <laughs> for a lot of the people that played, but with him, it definitely did. Uh, he, he had steady success in, in Australia and in the States. Uh, his music's in, you know, TV shows and movies all over. I mean, everything, including Grey's Anatomy, One Tree Hill, Weeds, Smallville, Daria, Scrubs. Uh, he even just did a, like a live performance on The Voice. So he, he definitely, you know, is, he made is it something. Yeah, he made it. He emerged is what we're going to say. He totally emerged. Uh, and then uh, we have Beth Hart, who is another, you know, just your kind of I don't want to say run of the mill because I don't want to knock her too hard, but just like your 90s singer songwriter, you know, very coffee shop music like Vanessa Carlton, piano fucking vibes like that. Uh, her first big single was L.A. Song. It was on an album that was released by Atlantic Records. So she was on her way uh, when she got to the emerging artist stage, but then kind of, you know, broke off after her contract expired, just became an independent artist. Uh, she still tours around. And in 2014, she was nominated for a Grammy for her album Seesaw, which I know nothing about. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure none of us do either. But right. that was the uh, the emerging artist stage acts uh, happening during, during this little chunk here uh, on day one at, at Woodstock 99. So, you know, at, when we return, we're going to be getting into some serious beef stuff. Uh, we're, you know, DMX, The Offspring, ICP. Again, Corn is coming up. That's a big one. Bush. We're going to see the return of George Clinton. Uh, and this is, again, just day one. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just this is just the first day. We haven't even gotten to sundown yet. We're at like, we're looking at like six o'clock in the evening right now is where we're leaving yeah. you off. Oh, yeah. the roots, too. The roots are there. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the cool. roots are going to play. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, I mean, there's a lot coming. This is a large range of uh, talents and emotions about to be happening. <laughs> yes, I, I will agree with that. So uh, without you know, further ado, we will, we will see you next time. Podcast 99 would like to thank Gray Holger at Condor Dick Sound and all you listeners at home. If you know someone or you yourself went to Woodstock 99, played Woodstock 99, or worked at Woodstock 99, please contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com. Or you can reach us on our Instagram at podcast99. Thanks, y'all, and we'll see you at Woodstock. <laughs>